The following is an exclusive presentation of 680 WPTF and Applied Vision Works. This is the Building a Leadership Culture podcast, hosted by President of Applied Vision Works, Don Hadley. This is Don Hadley with Applied Vision Works. We are here doing another podcast. The podcasts are all focused on building a leadership culture. And we're here with Lena Mayer. Lena has only been working with us for about 30 days, so she's relatively new. She has uh, differentiated herself nicely by being very kind and listening. Uh, she's also cut me off several times when I've gotten too verbose, but it has been a very good thing. Um, she's also from California, has a background playing professional sports in college, I think is the way I would put it. She played softball. So she was paid uh, through a scholarship legally. And so she's here to talk a little bit about that experience. We're going to do the podcast in two parts. First part will be more about why do we do what we do. And she has a very fascinating example of how the softball team was struggling. And there were some things they did to kind of bring them back to life and to go on and successfully complete their season. And then in the second part is we're going to get some feedback from her on as employers, how do we get feedback and have a dialogue and interact with potential hires that are younger, that may have a little bit different view of the world, and do it in a way where we're learning from each other, having a deep relationship, and we launch a potential career that they'll have with us their entire life. And whether or not it happens, we give it the best odds of happening and also do it in a way where we enjoy the process, even if they're only with us a year, five years, 10 years, whatever it may be. So Lena, how are you doing? pretty good. Thanks for having me. So more specifically, what is it really that you're trying to teach somebody? But if you had kids and said, you know, I went through this, you know, little Lena, hey, little Lena, I went through this when I was, you know, da, da, da. And, you know, here's something I want you to learn, or just as you're growing up, as you kind of get out in the world, this is something really important. What would that be that you would want her to pick up on or get or whatever? That's a tough question. I mean, I guess in the context of this conversation and in general, I think kind of taking ownership of your core values and your beliefs and why they are the way they are, what experiences in life have yielded those beliefs for you, like living your life in accordance to those beliefs and those values. Mm Because I think often we talk a big talk and it's really fun to wax poetic about, I believe in this, that, and the other, but then my actions are Mm -hmm. not in alignment with anything I've just said. But that can also be really hard. It's a Mm -hmm. hard line to toe of like, I believe in being kind always and giving grace, but occasionally, I get pissed and I don't want to deal with your stuff anymore. Like, I can't do it. It's interesting you said that's a tough question because isn't that really what we're about or what we're here for? I don't mean as an organization, but just Mm -hmm. as people Mm -hmm. is really trying. Okay. Yeah, 100%. So you're shaking your head. It's about to fall off your neck. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what we're here for. However, I think we've been conditioned to focus so much on like, rational thought, the day-to-day ins and outs, and taking care of business as much as possible, that it it takes a while for us to like marinate and really think about what's going on in our heart and in our head. So you say marinate, what's that mean? What's what's that look like in real life? Again, that sounds like a nice concept or value thing, but what's that really mean from a day-to-day situation? It means giving yourself space and time to slow down and get in touch with yourself. Sometimes it's in the presence of other people. For me, it's helpful to talk through what's going on in my brain. I'm a big put it out there, see what sticks, see what actually sounds right coming out of my mouth. So you process by talking, saying it helps you get to know yourself better. Yeah. Like I'll meditate on my own or on whatever thought is is weighing on me, but ultimately it's talking it through with somebody who knows me at my core and who I trust Mm -hmm. um, and helping me identify what 
really is the meat and potatoes of like why it's bothering me or why it's sticking with me and then how do I live it out. There was an Esther Perel video I watched the other day and it, it was interesting and I don't know if you watched it yet but I thought yeah. it was you know talking about if you don't fight there's a problem mm-hmm. but if you fight the wrong way there's a problem mm-hmm. but fighting the right way actually brings people closer together and, yeah. and develops that relationship. So, so I think in the podcast here you know we were going to talk about a specific incident or something that occurred with you in a sports team and I kind of vaguely remember that but let me back up for a second. Mm -hmm. How old are you? 23. Okay. And how many jobs have you had in the course of your career? Now, you know, I was working at age 12, so I I consider those jobs life-forming for me, but they're also working in the real world. So how many different jobs have you had, just roughly? Uh, I would say I've had a total of four paid jobs in my life. Okay. So four paid jobs, probably some charitable ones with your parents or whatever. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. That's good. So what, what's the situation? I know we vaguely kind of talked about mm-hmm. it. We didn't get into a lot of specifics, but what was the situation? Yeah, the story you're referring to, I did play um, college sports. I went. I grew up in California, and I played uh, college softball in California. Okay. Now, did um, you play other sports, or was that the main one? Growing up, I played everything, but okay. ultimately it came down to, well, if you're going to specialize and get a scholarship, you should probably pick one. <laughs> being a multi-sport athlete in college is quite difficult. Of, of um, all the sports you play, what was the most fun one, the most interesting? Well, obviously the one I was best at. It's way Ah, more fun to play something you're way better than everybody else at. But um, yeah, softball was really fun up until it became a job. And it was sometimes more of a chore than... What made it the job? What turned it into that different dynamic? It looked like you about to fall out of your chair and just kind of slumped over when you said that. Oh, yeah, because it's a tough pill to swallow when something you love turns into a chore. It's not fun. But what made it the chore, though? Was it the coach? Was it you, your view? Was it the perspective? Was it something happened in the league or on the team? What was it? Well, I think the dynamic shifts drastically when you're going somewhere where you're selected. So it's like the recruiting process takes the power out of your hands. You don't get to choose your team in the same way that you did growing up you're on a team of your friends you grew up together you have like those bonds and then you so that was in high school yeah yeah okay all through so it was all fun through there yeah yeah oh it's so fun you're playing with your best friends all that stuff and like often teams preach family and it really does feel like a family at that age especially because you're going through a lot of formative times and then you get to college and there is an element of you're being paid. You're there on a scholarship. So it does. So what a changed? Transactional element. You're getting paid. What changed? What There's elements? a transactional element of now your worth is defined by your performance. Okay. Um, and, and you didn't define it that way before in high school. No. if I, I mean, it enhanced my sense of self-esteem because it was one of many things I was doing at the time. Okay. Um, but once you do have to specialize and really define yourself as this is me, this is the essence of who I am, uh-huh. and it's based solely on performance, uh-huh. that becomes difficult. And So you feel um, like it was solely on performance as an individual or team member or both? or um, Both. For sh- I mean, all the components of being in a team sport and growing up in being a leader in that team. So taking Mm -hmm. on leadership roles and working on effective communication strategies with your teammates and then being a liaison from your teammates to your coach and all these different dynamics. So where I was trying to get at with the questions was kind of how it changed to become a job job. And Mm -hmm. what was interesting is I was also kind of beginning to think about the question of how sports different from business. Because I I like sports, but it's also different. In business, a lot of times the World Series isn't clear. Mm -hmm. Sports, you're clear what you're gunning for. A lot of businesses don't have good metric stats for all players, Uh all employees. Yeah. But typically on a team, you've got good stats. There's a huge amounts of stats. uh, Mm -hmm. and, And that's how they value performance. 
performance. So, but listening to you talking about effectiveness of communication, being mm -hmm. a liaison, all mm -hmm. those things really now we're wrapping in some of the softer elements of having a job, working, being in a business, being a leader, this kind of thing. Yeah, I think I attribute the necessity of doing those kinds of things. I was at a school where yes, we were a Division One, but we weren't an SEC, we weren't a Pac-12, we weren't ACC. It's mm -hmm. like, uh, and so the objective is different. It's make it to a regional. That would be cool. May happen, may not. That's like Did it the, happen for y'all? That's the long range goal. We made it. No, we never made it to a regional in my four years. We made it to like, you know how in basketball you have NCAA tournament and then there's yep. like the NCSC or something like that. We made it to that. <laughs> that was a funny incident. <laughs> Why? What happened? Tell me about that. So we get the news that we're going to this tournament and the general sentiment on the team is like, this kind of blows like we were so close and we're like the first losers essentially no one wanted to say that out loud well it's frustrating you worked so hard all year long uh -huh. and you get to this pinnacle point where you're like oh my gosh i think we might actually do it and then it doesn't pan out the way anybody wanted it to and obviously the games themselves were tense and things happened but so we get that news and my coach is like why are you guys not more excited? Like, what's happening? And nobody wanted to step up. And I often ended up being the mouthpiece of the team. <laughs> oh, that was, that's who I am. I just, like, come out and say what everyone's thinking. I try I to do it, it tactfully and in the most um, sensitive way. Yeah, and so in the most tactful way possible, <laughs> I essentially said, well, I think everybody's – we're not ambivalent. We just don't really know how to feel because – it's exciting for sure, um, but also we're frustrated and we're tired because like we worked hard and this isn't the goal we were working for necessarily. Um, and it does kind of, I think I use the words, that this is where I may have put my foot in my mouth. I think I use the words pity party. Um, <laughs> she didn't like that. Nah. And so she was like, okay, interesting. Does anybody else feel that way? Did no anybody one. support you? Cricket. Uh, I was like, you're uh. joking. Okay, great. Thanks everyone. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave. That's one of the dynamics though I see a lot in business. And, and I want to come back to kind of what occurred in just sure. a second, but you know, there's a lot of teams we work with. Uh, in fact, there's one in particular I'm going to be talking to next week that there's a couple vocal people on the team and it's mm -hmm. really great because it gets some of the stuff out there you need to talk about but one of the challenges we're having right now is the rest of the team is not adding support for either that belief or a different belief and so what's happening is it's making the one or two very vocal people feel very put upon the burdens on them they're the ones getting kind of the 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 tough questioning from the owners of the business mm -hmm. You know, on my side, I'm trying to get the owners of the business not to lean on the people telling the truth, even they don't like it, is to lean on the others that aren't sharing and to tell the truth. Because as part of teamwork is we support each other, have each other's backs. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean just on the playing field. It's got to be off the playing field yeah. when sometimes the more important stuff is happening. No, that definitely resonates with me. And I think what underpins all of that is just kind of a lack of trust mm -hmm. um, and a lack of security, essentially. Like, had my teammates felt or had other people in the group felt like it was a safe space to speak openly and honestly and there were not going to be repercussions as in you're never going to play again or you're going to be fired. Or well, was it really though up. not a safe space or was there a view of it that made it feel not safe or some combination? Um, you just answered the question. So. <laughs> and the reason I'm asking no, 100%. is... 100%. I mean, and I think part of that is because of the transactional dynamic of like one person is getting paid um, for their performance. I think, ugh, I don't know, this is why the 
reading the metaphor between sports and business, it's like a broad brush. Yeah. Because there is, there's a different illusion of freedom. Like, if I wanted to quit a job, I could go find another job. Right. However. It's a little tougher in the college world. Yeah. In yeah. that sphere, it's you you almost render yourself like a black sheep. Do you think Hillary would have like, gotten well, fired, though? Would you really have gotten fired? Or someone else would have gotten fired if they spoke out? I know people get angry all that. The reality of it, I don't know. But the illusion that it's there for somebody who's 19 is enough of a deterrent. That is a tougher, yeah. To speaking yeah. up, I would say. Yeah. Part of the... One thing, if I can interject, that, that in college athletics, your scholarship is not four years. It's year yeah, by year. Yeah, year by year. So yeah, you sign a new letter every year. I can't speak for other athletes' experiences, but in my experience... I didn't actually know what number was going to show up on that letter until I got there and it was in front of me. And then it's like, you either sign it or you don't. Okay. And if you don't, well, it's May. So what are you going to do? You're going to lose a whole year of eligibility going somewhere else. So so let's play this out a little bit. And again, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm not trying to argue with you. No, no, Um, no. I think I have enough distance. You have enough distance. That window doesn't (laughs) open, by the way. Yeah, I'm sweating. So what what I find interesting in business sometimes is sometimes there truly is not safe space. And I I get that. I find in most times you're safe to a point and not past a point. So if you scream and throw a chair at somebody, you you shouldn't be in safe space. There ought to be repercussions. But so part of what I find is isn't this – Space is safe or not, mm-hmm. it's to what point. And it, it's different with different people. Sometimes yeah. moods affect it. Yeah. Um, but th- the thing I would be interested in is in that environment, again, I haven't been in it. I mean, I went to college and this kind of thing. But the reality is, is, is there a way to hit a home run? Is there a way by, in an appropriate way, being the instigator that would bring the team together and then the coach, the other parties that are influential, whether you get the next year's scholarship, would say, wow, yeah, a little bit difficult to work with this woman, but she's making a difference. She's bringing out things. She's helping us see it different. She also supports us where it's appropriate with the team. Would there have been a way? Because I know sometimes I find people in situations like that are more focused on the potential loss, the fear of loss, Mm -hmm. instead of what's the home run, what's the World Series for you personally, so to speak, in that circumstance. I mean, I think ultimately that was some of my utility on the team. Obviously, there was performance-based utility, but... Do you think it was recognized by coach, blah, blah, blah? Yeah. To the ex- that, so you said that very quickly. Why? Um, just because there were many conversations had with me by the time I got to my senior year, and I was um, more, I mean, I was always a mouthpiece, but I was like more of a delegated mouthpiece at that point where it was like I, I was conveying messages downward and upward and being that liaison. Were you formally the team captain or informally? Or did you all have a captain? Because um, some teams don't, I know. I'm trying to think if it was ever explicitly written or stated anywhere i think it was more of an informal thing but then certain like tasks would be delegated to me that were obviously but you kind of became captain through osmosis stuff happened and it developed yeah yeah well i find sometimes that's bad in fact i find with a team of people if there's not a Mm -hmm. specific leader that a lot of times what will occur is someone emerges and that's always fascinating Not always, but in many cases, it's who you mm-hmm. kind of don't expect sometimes. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're the quietest person up front, but they're figuring out how it works and what people are thinking in the field. And sometimes the ones that are most open or talkative or look the most assertive up front mm-hmm. don't become the captain because they're not the ones that are most understanding of what's going on underneath mm-hmm. that team dynamic. 
So I find that's a fun thing. We've got another client that wants to have all these heads of teams. And I'm like, eh, at the moment, don't have a leader. Just let's see what develops. Let's see who kind of naturally comes forth. And that may be a stronger approach. Mm -hmm. So that can get kind of interesting. So are you a little bit of a risk taker maybe? Yeah. Okay. Uh, As I'm getting to know you more, my sense is of that, which is very good. Uh Um, Plus, you kind of shut me down the other day in a conversation, which I thought was interesting. (laughs) But I I also thought it was very valuable (laughs) because I think you were helping me gauge the appropriate amount of data that you needed. Yeah. And so that mm -hmm. helps signal to me we're done with the conversation. We don't need to go farther and I can go do my thing, which is very freeing for me, actually. Yeah. Because you you putting up that wall sends me a clear signal and I can go off and do other stuff because I got a lot going on. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Yeah. I think for me, I'm more than happy to talk and shoot the shit. But like essentially once you've gotten to the core of what it is you need to say. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of efficiency. If you can say one word that encapsulates everything you're trying to say. Well, you may have noticed I really don't want to shoot the shit. I think hopefully you've noticed I really don't want to shoot the shit. Oh, yeah. I've noticed that. I want to nail it, knock it out, (laughs) move on. Now, there's circumstances where we've got time. We've got the luxury. That could be a little bit different situation. So I like that. I appreciate it. But I also feel like is if relationships are Mm two-way, you shut me down. Let's say I disagree for some reason, which I didn't, but let's say I did. Mm -hmm. I've got the right to say, well, wait a minute. I want to add a couple other thoughts, Mm da-da-da-da-da. So there can be a negotiation between us of kind of what the conversation would be. Sure. And so I think that's important in a conversation that we interact as partners. Mm -hmm. as opposed to your boss, I'm boss, whatever the case may be. Mm Because otherwise you start stunting everything and swaying it one direction or another. Mm -hmm. Now, there may be certain things that I just, man, I need them, boom. There's not negotiation or you need them at the moment. You're about to have something happen, then boom, we got to go. So that might be a little bit different situation. You look very thoughtful. What are you thinking? Sorry, forget thinking, feeling. What's your feeling at the moment? (laughs) I'm feeling, no, I'm thinking that what underlies all of that is that both of us have to be coming from a place where I'm, not that I'm not bothered by what you're saying or I'm not going to think about it and internalize it and work it through, but the dynamic of that interaction, if I shut you down, you're not crushed. If you come back at me, I'm not all of a sudden defensive and concerned. That's a good um, way to put it is being crushed or defensive, avoiding those things because a lot of times they aren't needed. But that doesn't mean they don't happen. Yeah, but but then recognize they happen. Mm-hmm. They're the element they of it. Yeah. Well, so, sometimes you need why, sometimes you don't. I'm not sure that. I think sometimes people parse the why too much in a way. That concerns me a little bit sometimes. What do you mean? I think sometimes people go into every interaction look at the response and every time we're trying to say, why did I get that response? And my fear is we put so much time energy into an event that occurred that the focus on producing product gets missed. Now, by the way, the product we produce a lot of times are ideas or concepts, not a physical product, but I'm more interested in, hey, the last eight interactions, um, she tugged her hair, screamed twice and fell on the floor two thirds of those times. Well, I, there's something going on there that might get asked about. So I'm guess I'm interested in the pattern of events mm. that's occurring, because then if I go to you and say, "Hey, not this particular case, but I've noticed a pattern, and here's what's occurring," mm-hmm. you and I might be able to get a process. You say, "Oh yeah, man, you you just keep coming to me every single day." So okay, what if we move from event from pattern up the process, and let's set up a process? I will not talk to you, but every Friday, let's say at nine a m and friday at 9 a.m we debrief mm-hmm. and any question that we need to talk about go back and forth on and we can do it would that help you to quit grabbing your hair fall on the floor screaming mm-hmm. 
Cool. Absolutely. So if we can talk about the pattern, we might get a process that actually begins to work that out very quickly, very naturally kind of thing. Okay. Instead of engaging too much or not engaging enough. Yeah. Does that relate? I mean, you asked me the question, but is that making sense to your question? No, that makes sense. I think the difference is that what I was more referring to is less placing the onus on somebody else and more placing a value on introspection and realizing if I happen to be tugging my hair and falling out of a chair, as you so eloquently put, um, why am I doing that? Like, what is it in me that's being so stimulated that that's the only reaction I can muster? So how often do you introspect? All the time. So are you doing it right now? Sure. Okay. Yeah, I'm probably doing it subconsciously. It'd be fun if I could give you, like, something to drink, and it would not allow <laughs> you to introspect for six days a week. And I don't know your favorite day of the week, but let's say it's Saturday. And <laughs> But Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon, you can introspect. It would be interesting if it would be different, kind of storing up, and then doing it all at one time would be interesting. It would be interesting. I'm not really sure how. how now your head could work. explode too, and so uh, who knows? But yeah, like a deep dive. I think I would be. Yeah, if I were to not reflect for six days out of the week and then just take one day, I think the difficulty for me would be in applying whatever revelations I came to on my own throughout the course of the week. Because the I, the reason I introspect is not because it like brings me joy, although on some level it does, because I feel like I have these moments of growth and realization. But it's because I have these revelations that I feel like I can apply to my life. So you're doing a very quick application of it. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Well, the reason I'm asking, there's a lot of people that, <laughs> why, 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 and they never do a damn thing. And yeah. so after a while, it's like, they, they never go anywhere. So it sounds like yeah. you keep doing the minor course. I think of it like a GPS or a uh, uh, like an airplane, an autopilot. It's, mm -hmm. you know, minor they... Yeah, People. so you're almost always off track, but you keep, uh -huh. and that uh -huh. that's kind of neat. Okay, so that could be very bad advice I'm giving you. Interesting. Cool. It's up to me whether or not I take it. Absolutely. Um, that's very good self-awareness with that. So all this stuff we're talking about, have we gotten to the incident yet? The, the kind of... Oh, no. The, no. the why moment that you were referring to? Um, the story. Sorry, you don't like why. Um, well, but if you like why better, or I just, the only thing about the why is it's so broad. Uh, yeah, we don't have to use that word. So essentially what was happening is there was a season that was not going according to plan. Nobody likes a losing season, but they happen. And Had y'all been together as a team two years, three years? Was this the first year? What was? Well, I mean, the team. I know it's constantly, constantly changing over, yeah, yeah, but you'd yeah, been on it how long? I would think this was my junior year. So, so junior been, year? Yeah, it would have been my third year. And were year. most like junior, seniors that had been there a while, or was it more freshmen, sophomores, and a few juniors? Or No, it was a lot of underclassmen. A lot of under, okay. Mm -hmm, okay. Mm -hmm. We got to a point where, yeah, there were three in the junior class and four in the senior class, and the rest were all underclassmen. Wow, okay. Yeah. That's pretty and weighted. And the um, preceding summer there was a slew of people quitting the team for a variety of reasons, but many of which did have to do with the general culture and dynamics um, and feeling unsafe. Okay. Essentially. And not in a physical sense, but in a... I say something, I get hacked or... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that fear of, yeah, persecution or negative outcome for speaking up was, was not rooted in nothing. Anyway, so there was this losing season and... Anybody who's played a sport, really at any level, you know that at the core of it, you're doing it because it's fun, or at least you think you know that. But in the day-to-day, -day, when you're working on taking an outside pitch to the right side, or you're working on getting your palm up on a curveball or something like that, you get bogged down with the nitty-gritty. And when it doesn't work, it can be devastating. And when you have a losing season, you're like, what am I even doing this for? Mm -hmm. And so having that season of people quitting, 
and then it was a losing season. Our coach came to a moment where she was like, we have to give these people some source of motivation because otherwise we're going to drop all 20. And so they was like pregame, we were warming up, and she brings everyone together. And she goes, before we do anything else, we're going to take a moment. And every gave everyone like an index card or something. So you put it in writing. She goes, write down why you play or who you play for. And it for the most part, it ended up being my mom. She sacrificed a lot for me to get me to this level. My dad, he caught for me every day, yada, yada, yada. My coaches. Wow. Almost everybody there listed a human person that they were doing it for. Out of curiosity, mm-hmm. a non-human person, what, what's an example of that? Because I'm not... okay sorry i won't be redundant because i do like efficiency a human somebody they were related to or had an impact on their life or just somebody they care a lot about um so but i mean did somebody actually name a a, not a person i don't remember it's possible somebody could have named a dog okay i was just curious because i I was trying to imagine what that might be now you're just being facetious no i'm interested (laughs) maybe there's some God or the dog? Oh, yeah. I mean, faith plays a big role. What Did it? Um, Okay. Yeah, for many people, it does. So Um, did that come up kind of in that thing? Now, why faith? Because that faith seems like a very ethereal, fuzzy thing. In some regards, it could be considered that. I don't know that I look at it that way, but... Well, in California, there's a lot of... uh, Ah, There's a lot of discussion around spirituality versus faith versus religion. So trying to be um, inclusive of all those different iterations of... Gotcha. So don't let me take you off your story. For some people, it's a different higher being. For some people, it's just the uh overall connection that exists between all humans okay what was that so, so keep going with the, uh you're saying that she asked to uh, write down uh, oh yeah and then so everybody why wrote and who down why and or who it ended up being who for everybody who you play for oh no that's interesting so who was it. the strong the survey said who's more important than why is that accurate mm-hmm. okay the design of the survey was why do you play but the results indicated who do you play for yeah, yeah. now that's more tangible so to me that maybe that's why i don't know do you have any opinions on that why that why came, came through that, that way? way yeah because i think at the core even if people aren't altruistic by nature people resonate with people and it's your core values which we were kind of talking about at the beginning are often formed by nature and nurture and like who who indoctrin indoctrinated you for lack of a better term there probably is a better term but um yeah so for a lot of the people who i play for is my mom who instilled this resilience in me who worked really hard or my coach who taught me this that or the other and got me to this level so i think yeah understanding that for a lot of us our why or our core values you can name them with words but often they are associated with a person a feeling yeah a feeling because i find if people are evoking the proper why for them or the Mm -hmm. proper who you see feeling you know and kind of prepping for this i was poking you Mm -hmm. trying to see where you had strong feeling almost where you couldn't control your facial expression Mm -hmm. Uh, my sense is you're pretty good about poker face Mm -hmm. but if i can get you out of the poker face and i know i've got something strong enough that's going to come out of you and do something i could do very bad stuff could do good stuff i suspect Mm -hmm. but that's where that Core piece, what you thinking, feeling? Well, I'm thinking that things that typically draw, at least me, I don't know about other people, would draw me out of that poker face in my composed state are things that, like, question my core values or what I feel like make me whole or would rock my integrity, I guess. 
So at this point where the coaches asked you this, mm-hmm. there's feeling, emotion, there's it's the core. Where were y'all at that point? Did, did they give you 15 minutes, 30 minutes to do this? 30 seconds. Okay, 30 seconds, and y'all go around, talk about, okay. Mm-hmm. So kind of where were y'all? Experience. And it, I think that's the most emotion I've ever seen from many of my teammates. Really? Because it came at a time where a lot of us were pretty downtrodden. Because it's not just the season you've worked for. It's the college career. It's the high school career. It's everything has led you to this point. And Mm -hmm. so daily you're questioning, like, have I wasted my entire childhood? Have I wasted all these efforts? And then to have a moment of introspection and being like, okay, let me take this outside of myself and think about why I'm doing it or who I'm doing it for more appropriately. So y'all did this, everybody shared, and then what was the result of it? Was there an action decided or was it a catharsis where we have it out of us, we've got our heads clear, now we've got a purpose, we've got a reason why again? Yeah, I think it was more of the latter, more of a grounding experience and kind of putting it in perspective because ultimately that phase of your life does end and it doesn't define you necessarily the performance aspect it sounds like there were two conclusions one is it doesn't define you and you can only do this for a limited period of time is that what kind of part came out of it because that sounds pretty concrete I'm trying to think if that came out of that or other experiences or, or was this these two concepts simply emerging at that moment more clearly and the reason i'm asking that is i find a lot of people have to grieve over things that are changing you know people yeah well i remember high school how good it was and all this other garbage and, and the reality is we really ought to be looking to the future and saying how do we do the best with our present because that's really the only thing we control but very few people do it and it sounds like your team was kind of going that direction which i think would unleash huge amounts of uh, freedom mm-hmm. excitement there'd be a very different dynamic in there, I would think. Yeah, I would say so. Was it a big leap or slowly this developed or what was, you know, and I don't mean necessarily the physical thing, but maybe it is physical. Maybe it's an internal change that then we start seeing, you know, more cheering on the bench or everybody's mm-hmm. batting average went up 20 points. I, You know, if I'm trying to play the stupid ROI game or what's yeah, the result? I don't, I don't remember the stats. I haven't looked at them, but. um. Or maybe it simply kept people from quitting. I mean, that could be value, so to speak. Yeah, I think in that moment, it was just kind of a putting everything in perspective experience, because it is hard when you're working hard on one skill. And I think you could apply it to a business context as well, where it's like, you've been working on this one project for so long, and then it doesn't pan out the way you think it was going to. And you've tried to tweak it, you've tried everything conceivable, and nothing's working. And then you have to zoom out and say, well, why am I doing this job at all? And so... I think that was kind of the experience. And for most of us, it like reignited that fire to a certain extent. It's a slightly different fire than maybe you had when you were 12 and you were had that kid-like laughter when you were playing where you yeah, just like yeah. can't even. Sometimes gritting the teeth and going. Is the, yeah, yeah, it's just fun. Yeah, and when you're 12 and it's fun, you try all different kinds of ways to win. You don't necessarily... It's not that you don't know the rules of the game, but you don't care quite as much. Yeah. You're not as confined. Did you care too much about the rules at the moment when y'all were going through this crisis? Sure. I think the higher you get, the more acutely aware you are of the details of every rule and how it could go. I don't know. Why? Uh, why? Why do you even have the question? Because some people would say, no, you got to know the rules, da, 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 da. Now, there's other people that say, no, as I've gone farther in life, I, the rules mean less to me. So you're, why are you even questioning? It's important to know the rules, uh-huh. I think. However, sometimes it's okay to push and see how much you can get away with up against the border of the rules. Just because 
a ball goes over the fence doesn't mean I can't climb the fence and catch it over and bring it back. Have you ever <laughs> done that? I had a play outfield. Uh, <laughs> would you, what position? I was a pitcher. Okay. Oh, pitcher. That's a very much a mind game. That's maybe why you're so stinking introspective. Every pitch, you're looking at the next, right? I have been told that that's why I do those minor course do you believe that constantly. Though? Small do you believe that? What? Do I believe that? That that is the truth? Or is it outsiders saying something that may not be true about you? I don't know. I should introspect on that, I think. <laughs> um, no, I think it definitely bears some truth. I think it's hard to know because I wasn't born playing softball. So is my was my skill for doing it in that context a result of something in me from the beginning? And I honed it even more. Or did it come from that? I mean, have you build us an introspection in. class and you can teach it? Because it really is a skill and it's very valuable. <laughs> okay. But I'll also do doing it in a way that recognizes what's valuable, what isn't, yeah. and prioritizes the useful feelings from the non-useful. Sounds like part of kind of what you're doing. So how did y'all keep that aliveness, That what brought you back, that why? How did you keep that alive the rest of the season and into your senior year? Was anything specifically done? Did y'all redo the exercise your senior year or no? No. No, that's interesting to me because some of that no. powerful, I would think you'd want to redo it. I would also think that, and yet yeah. we didn't. So that, see, I guess that's an example where I see an event, people react, probably out of a lot of fear, but that's a great win, but they don't set the win up into a process. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to formulaically be every February 12th. Yeah. But hey, I've noticed we're kind of, let's have a conversation or... yeah. I think what's interesting is that in in that experience, it felt like there was a lot of trust and safety in that space. Mm-hmm. And yet when that's not maintained, yeah. you lose the momentum and you lose the dynamic of people feeling agent and able to like engage. Well, it, I, don't, I don't believe I mentioned this earlier, but I, you know, I mentioned that safe is more a matter of degree, not it's safe or it's not. I, I believe that very strongly. But the other thing I believe strongly is Sometimes I can't control the space at all. I can't make it safer. Mm-hmm. And, and let's say it's half safe, half unsafe, whatever. Yeah. What I've tried to do with a lot of teams and individuals is to say, who cares? What do we believe and how do we engage? And we're going to take over this space and we're going to work on this space and get it from 50% safe to 80%. Mm-hmm. And we're going to purely do it through our own perception, our own 